0: Jack. Levi. The Book Club from Hell. Hello everyone, this is Jack with The Book Club from Hell. Today, for all of you, I've got a solo episode on Crash by J.G. Ballard, a uh, (laughs) book first published in 1973, which is a metaphor for the effect of technology on our lives, of symbolism, of simulation, all told through the, the... the metaphor of people having sex with their cars, that's not, that's not really an exaggeration either. This is an exceptionally strange book, which I wasn't really looking forward to reading, but surprised me in being one of the best things I've read for a few years. This is absolutely fantastic. This is an excellent book with a bizarre conceit, beautiful prose, a message which is Very disturbing, and insofar as I understand it, which is a large caveat, but insofar as I understand it, important. It's an important message and something we really should think about, which is explored in just such a bizarre way (laughs) in this book. Some of the sex scenes in this book are memorable, to say the least. In terms of the structure of this episode... I'm going to try something a bit different from the last last solo episode I did on Behead All Satans. In that episode, I just went through the plot and offered a more or less running commentary on what I thought of it. I don't think that worked that well. And at least from my perspective, the episode got fairly dull because I was just offering effectively a Wikipedia plot synopsis of the book. Not that one exists, but what would be a Wikipedia plot synopsis of the book. So this time, I'll offer. I'll, I'll give a brief overview of the book's plot to situate the book and contextualise the discussion of the themes, the symbolism in the book, why I find the book so interesting. But I probably won't spend a huge amount of time on the plot, and I'll leave out a lot of the plot's details. It'll be easier to offer a short summary of the plot as well, because this book is short. It's 180-something pages, at least... The addition, I have a little bit about the history of this book of, uh, of the author J.G. Ballard. He had a pretty interesting life. He was born in 1930 in Shanghai to an English family. And he and his family were placed in a prison camp after the attack on Pearl Harbor. And were in one for the duration of the Second World War. And in forty six, after the war they returned to England where... Ballard studied medicine at Cambridge for two years before dropping out. And it's fairly evident that he did study medicine in this book because a lot of the the descriptions of people when they're they're being sexually excited by car accidents are told in quite a quite a textbook way. I, mean, I expect it's, well, I'm sure it is largely in service of these themes of depersonalization and submitting humans to technique and it's it's very effective but it is quite clear that he did study medicine at some stage so he he dropped out of med and became i think he started working at a copyright house he eventually started writing novels successfully although he had he had quite a few problems with censorship including for crash so this book is if you hadn't already gathered from my my description of it it's, it's the sort of book that obscenity censors would not like. And considering, I think, I think it was Ulysses got done for obscenity, and Ulysses is so much more tame than this when it comes to obscenity. So it's no surprise that this found some problems with getting published. In fact, the, uh, the first print run in America by Doubleday was pulped just for publication in part as a result of, um, of one of Ballard's short stories called Why I Want to Fuck Ronald Reagan, uh, Nelson Doubleday, the, I think the owner or founder of Doubleday Publishing, was a close friend of Ronald Reagan's, and upon finding out about the story Why I Want to Fuck Ronald Reagan, which, funnily enough, actually predicted that Ronald Reagan would be governor of California, uh, he, he just pulped the print run of, of Crash... Also, the Unicorn Bookshop in Brighton, which originally published the story Why I Want to Fuck Ronald Reagan in 1968, had their premises raided by police, were charged with obscenity. So, ba- Ballard was no stranger to courting controversy. I think also, the, the idea for Crash came from a, um, from a short story in the Atrocity Exhibition, which was a collection of short stories. And that, I think, was inspired by some bizarre art installation that Ballard was part of where there were pictures of car accidents everywhere and a woman, a topless model, wandered around and interviewed people about what they thought because people, I guess, took part in this. Oh, It, it, it descended into, a, into drunken mayhem and Ballard took that as, as really confirmation of his operating hypothesis that people are in some way sexually excited by car accidents if we were truly horrified by the death and destruction wrought by them we wouldn't allow them to happen we wouldn't other wouldn't have cars or the speed limit would be would be a snail's pace or something like that so the the genesis of this book is um is mired in controversy when it was published it was highly controversial i think Particularly for the scene in which the, the, the main character, who is named J.G. Ballard, has sex with the wounds of a woman who was rendered wheelchair-bound in a car accident. That, um, that rubbed a lot of people up the wrong way. So, when I read this book, I'll, I'll just preface the, the plot synopsis with this. This might be because I've also been reading The Technological Society by Jacques Ellul fairly recently. I've been reading it very slowly, just because I have to read quite a few things for this podcast. And The Technological Society is dry and dense, if, if any of you are familiar with it. But The Technological Society offers this idea of technique, which is very interesting. And for Jacques Ellul, technique is it's any complex of standardised means... For, for attaining a predetermined result It's just this collection of behaviours of, of prescribed behaviours For attaining prescribed ends And he, at, at length in the technological society Over five, six hundred pages Talks about how technique is this inexorable process Taking over the world How humans are more and more falling into technique In everything they do in large part because technique allows the more efficient generation of outputs, which allows groups who are beholden to technique to outcompete groups not beholden to it. the The technological society, at least so far, I haven't read all of it, is fairly bleak. He sees no escape from technique as being possible and sees a world eventually that will be wholly governed by technique. There will be no room for spontaneity or the generation of anything new. Everything will be subordinate to Technique. And reading Crash, at at the same time as reading The Technological Society, I couldn't help but see parallels between between the story told in Crash and Lull's view of a world entirely subordinated to Technique. Additionally, this, this book is very preoccupied with the reproduction of symbols and when I give a, um, a plot synopsis you'll probably see that more clearly but it's a book in which the author quite often will take some sort of event such as a bodily pose and repeatedly recontextualize it. So the bodily pose will mean dramatically different things in the context of a sex act, in the context of a car accident, in the context of someone lying in a hospital bed. Etc. Etc. He then takes this to examine things like celebrity, our fascination with with mass-produced simulated violence in film. There there is there's so much to this book. It's it's a short book, and he says so much more in 180 pages than most authors say in their their entire careers. Anyway, a bit about the plot. So the main character is named JG Ballard. He lives in London with his wife, Catherine, who's repeatedly cheating on him. And the first major event in this book is that J.G. Ballard gets into a car accident and he he collides with a car being driven by two people. So one of them is Dr. Helen Remington, who will become an important character, and her husband. And her husband is killed. And the the description of this car accident that he gives is... It's, it's just a great example of how well he writes. He writes fantastically. So he says, As I drove home from the film studios at Shepperton on a rain-swept June evening, my car skidded at the intersection below the entrance to the Western Avenue flyover. Within seconds, I was m- moving at 60 miles an hour into the oncoming lane. As the car struck the central reservation, the offside tyre blew out and whirled off its rim. Out of my control... The car crossed the reservation and turned up the high-speed exit ramp. Three vehicles were approaching, mass-produced saloon cars whose exact model year, colour schemes and external accessories I can still remember, with the painful accuracy of a never-to-be-eluded nightmare. The first two I missed, pumping the brakes and barely managing to steer my car between them. The third, carrying a young woman and her husband, I struck head-on. The man, a chemical engineer with an American foodstuffs company, was killed instantly, propelled through his windshield like a mattress from the barrel of a circus cannon. He died on the bonnet of my car. His blood sprayed through the fractured windshield across my face and chest. The fireman who later cut me from the crushed cabin of my car assumed that I was bleeding to death from a massive open-heart wound. I was barely injured. On my way home, after leaving my secretary Renata, who was freeing herself from an unsettling affair with me, I was still wearing the safety belt I had deliberately fastened to save her from the embarrassment of embracing me. My chest was severely bruised against the steering wheel. My knees crushed into the instrument panel as my body moved forwards into its own collision with the interior of the car, but my only serious injury was a severed nerve in my scalp. It's, um, it's, pretty, it's pretty horrific how the book starts. So, Ballard goes to hospital after this car accident where he, he first, first meets a, a character named Dr. Robert Vaughn, who is the most interesting character in this book. He is an absolute maniac. And the book actually opens with Vaughan's death. So Vaughan is a former television presenter who wrote extensively and presented extensively on the subject of car accidents. And Vaughn had become obsessed with the car accident and particularly with the actress Elizabeth Taylor. And he was practicing a way to, to create the perfect road death for Elizabeth Taylor. And the book opens with the, the aftermath of his attempt to kill Elizabeth Taylor in a car accident. He drove his car off, off a bridge. But instead of hitting Elizabeth Taylor's car, he hit the top of a double-decker bus and killed a bunch of people there. And the book opens with his death and then you know, skips back in time as, as J.G. Bellard recalls the, the events that brought him into contact with Vaughn and changed his personality. So Vaughn is really interesting. In some ways, in this book, I see Vaughn as the embodiment of technique. His, his actions initially seem nonsensical, but it becomes evident that they are internally consistent, follow their own logic, and by their internal logic, Vaughn's behaviour is apparently increasingly erratic actions and death are all predictable and inevitable. And like technique, Vaughn imprints himself upon those around him. He assembles around himself this band of car crash enthusiasts, people who have been part of a car accident and have, as a result, their sexuality altered, their worldview altered. By the the conjunction of the car accident and contact with Vaughan, and they all come to model their behavior upon that of Vaughan. He's the the Vaughn memeplex, and even when he dies bodily, this this Vaughn technique continues in in J.G. Ballard, in Ballard's wife, Catherine, in Helen Remington, the woman whose husband J.G. Ballard killed in a car accident and in Gabrielle, who's a, an, another car crash enjoyer, they all continue this this Vaughn technique after his death. So anyway, JG first sees Vaughn in the hospital where he and Helen Revington are convalescing after the car accident. Turns out Vaughn doesn't live there, but Ballard assumes he does. What Vaughn's actually doing is he, he's just wandering around taking photos of people who've been in car accidents. And that's, that's a lot of what he does. The, the description of Vaughan is excellent. Ballard writes, His strong hands carried a briefcase filled with photographs. As his pockmarked jaws champed on a piece of gum, I had the sudden feeling that he was hawking obscene pictures around the wards, pornographic x-ray plates and blacklisted urinalyses. A brass medallion swung on his bare chest from a black silk cord but what marked him out was the scar tissue around his forehead and mouth, residues of some terrifying act of violence. Later on in the book, there is a description of, of Vaughan's background. As I mentioned, he, he was a TV presenter. I quote, I realised that I had seen his pockmarked face many times before, projected from a dozen forgotten television programs and news magazine profiles. This was, Rob, this was Vaughan, Dr. Robert Vaughan a one-time computer specialist. As one of the first of new style TV scientists, Vaughan had combined a high degree of personal glamour, heavy black hair over a scarred face, an American combat jacket, with an aggressive lecture-theater manner and complete conviction in his subject matter, the application of computerised techniques to the control of all international traffic systems. In the first programs of his series three years earlier, Vaughn had projected a potent image almost that of the scientist as hoodlum, driving about from laboratory to television centre on a high-powered motorcycle. Literate, ambitious, and adept at self-publicity, he was saved from being no more than a pushy careerist with a PhD by a strain of naive idealism, his strange vision of the automobile and its real role in our lives. He goes on to say, I remembered why Vaughan's career had come to an abrupt end. Halfway through his television series, he had been seriously injured in a motorcycle crash. All too clearly, his face and personality still carried the memory of that impact, some terrifying collision on a motorway in the north when his legs had been broken by the rear wheels of a truck. And in this in this character of Vaughn, already a few of the book's big themes are coming through. So there's this continuous depiction of things as simulations or of simulacra of other things. So there's an ongoing fascination with photographs with film with reproductions of of the world that can be recontextualized for example there's this part where elizabeth taylor who is the obsession of vaughns is taking part in an, an advertisement or the shooting of an advertisement where she's she pretends to be in a car accident the car wreck used in that actually was in an actual an actual car crash she has makeup on that is fake blood, fake bruises. Vaughn is a former TV star, which, which itself is this, this simulation of reality, or whatever that means, and that continues to exist in his life. There are several points in the book where Ballard notes that Vaughn still poses as if he were on television, as if he were constantly being watched. Vaughn himself is constantly photographing car accidents and reproducing those and then recontextualizing them for example making questionnaires out of all of the car crash pictures and getting people using those to create their own ideal car accidents involving celebrities there's a lot going on it's also quite funny because vaughn drives a lincoln continental which vaughn notes is the the same sort of car as the open limousine in which jfk was shot at this point, we also find out that J.G. Ballard is an advertising executive at Shepperton Studios, and his company is in talks with Elizabeth Taylor for an advertisement for a new range of Ford sports cars. As as you, I'm sure you're beginning to see, so much of this book centers on on the reproduction or the endless reproduction of experiences or images and their recontextualization. So eventually, J.G. gets home, and. He's had this shift in perspective since the car accident. He sees the latent sexuality in all things, particularly cars, and he spends a lot of his time sitting on the balcony of his apartment, which overlooks freeways and masturbates while watching the traffic. And he's much more interested in the traffic than work. He buys the exact same car that he crashed. And at this stage, Vaughn begins to follow both JG and Catherine. Also around this time jg begins having sex with helen remington the woman whose husband he killed in the car accident and he first he sees her when he's inspecting his car wreck at the police impound he gets into his car wreck notices the detritus of his life in the car for example lipstick stained cigarettes from renata the woman he was having an affair with it's just more more evidence of this book being so obsessed with the Recontextualization of things. So they are these—the—the lipstick-stained cigarette butts are examples of memories from a time before the car was destroyed, detritus of his life, which are now recontextualized in a same in a strange way. They seem so out of place in this car wreck. And he meets Helen Remington at the impound and gives her a lift to the airport. And when this happens, he is certain that they will have sex. He starts driving her around regularly. They keep going past the point where they had their car accident. And interestingly, Hel- Helen Remington feels the same perspective shift that Ballard does. She also is, is hyper-aware of vehicles and is, has some diffuse sense of their sexual possibilities. But this diffuse sense only becomes more specified or sharper upon contact with Vaughan, which, which happens shortly. It's also interesting that while this is happening, JG spins out of control when he's driving Helen Remington around and comes in his pants in excitement. In terms of his sexual interest in Helen Remington, it's not so much in her body, it's, it's to do with her interactions with his car, her body on the warm leatherette of the car seats, how she opens the car door, things like that. And it is interesting, when they finally have sex, and it's in JG's car, and Basically, all the sex scenes in this book take place in the context of, of vehicles. He says, "The passenger compartment enclosed us like a machine, generating from our sexual act an amunculus of blood, semen, and engine coolant." And when, when I talk about the themes of this book in more detail, I'll, I'll I'll go more deeply into this. But it's really interesting how Ballard is bringing together human sexuality and technique. It's bi-directional, so technique is invading human sexuality, but human sexuality is also enmeshing itself within technique. I'm still not entirely sure if if he's even just saying one thing with this. So it could be that the 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 human sex act is humans being generative, if he's talking about the the insertion of human generativity into technique to reinforce technique, or if it's that technique recontextualizes human sexuality and allows for a greater range of sexual expressions than would, be, than would be allowed without that change of context enabled by a technique. It's also quite funny. The uh, JG and Helen Remington together visit, it's basically a destruction derby, this, this event called Hell Driving. And a program on the event is called The Recreation of a Spectacular Road Accident. And this is directed by Vaughn. And this is really the beginning of where Ballard begins a deeper relationship with Vaughn. Up to this point, Vaughn's just been following and photographing J.G. Ballard after first becoming interested in him with the car accident. During this reenactment, the reenactment goes wrong in inverted commas. Vaughn wanted it to go wrong in this way, such that Seagrave, the stunt driver who is driving one of the cars in this reenactment, would be injured. Seagrave is also actually a stunt driver working at Shepperton Studios. Anyway, after, after Seagrave's in, injured, he gets concussed in this, this accident. They go back to Seagrave's house, and this is where Ballard, for the first time, meets Vaughan's coterie of, of car crash enthusiasts. You've got Seagrave, whom we've already mentioned. You've got Vera, who's Seagrave's wife. Gabrielle is a woman confined to a wheelchair after a car accident and JG Ballard and Helen Remington are added to this group all of these people have been injured in car accidents and interestingly they were somewhat hostile to to Ballard before they found out that he too had been injured in a car accident and importantly he'd been scarred in it the the importance of wounds I'll go into more detail on later and they're 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 all smoking hash together. Vaughn shows Ballard his collection of photographs of, of um, car accident victims. And already Ballard is becoming sexually attracted to Vaughn. But interestingly, only really in the context of Vaughn's car. Vaughn outside of his car isn't an object of sexual desire for Ballard. It's the conjunction of Vaughn with his vehicle. And I quote... Vaughan excited some latent homosexual impulse, only within the cabin of his car, or driving along the highway. His attraction lay not so much in a complex of familiar anatomical triggers, a curve of exposed breast, the soft cushion of a buttock, the hairlined arch of a damp perineum, but in the stylization of posture achieved between Vaughan and the car. Detached from his automobile, particularly his own emblem-filled highway cruiser, Vaughan ceased to hold any interest. I find this really interesting. It's the, the creation of new sexual opportunities or new possible sexualities for the main character through the, the association of humans with their technology. And this becomes much more extreme later on in the book. It goes from awakening a homosexual impulse within Ballard to Ballard imagining what he calls simulated orifices or simulated sex organs in people which are basically the wounds created by a car accidents. So he imagines having sex with them. It's also um, around this part. I mentioned earlier the questionnaires from Vaughan. Vaughan gives Ballard a questionnaire, which itself is, is an expression of technique. I mean, a questionnaire is a collection of questions, of predetermined questions, which only allow for a certain number of answers. It's the, the, the technique... Of asking a question and getting answers, and these these questionnaires contain a very large number of options with which to create dream car crashes, the details about particular cars involved, the method of collision, very detailed descriptions of inju- of injury. And Vaughan gives these to all of his his car crash enjoyers, and the the responses to them are, you know, are somewhat telling about the people involved. I quote, Comparing the completed questionnaires, I noticed the differing accident modes selected by Vaughan's subjects. Vera Seagrave's choices had been made at random, as if she had barely distinguished in her mind between windshield ejection, rollover and head-on collisions. Gabrielle had emphasised facial injuries. Most disturbing of all the replies were Seagrave's. In the crashes he devised, the only wounds his hypothetical victims suffered were severe genital injuries. Alone among Vaughn's subjects, Seagrave had selected a small target gallery of five film actresses, ignoring the politicians, sportsmen, and television personalities whom Vaughn had listed. On these five women, Garbo, Jane Mansfield, Elizabeth Taylor, Bardot, and Raquel Welch, Seagrave had built an abattoir of sexual mutilation. Around this time, Vaughn starts having JG drive him around, while Vaughn has sex with prostitutes in the back of the Lincoln. And Vaughn positions the women he has sex with to match with the poses of car crash victims, which he's also been photographing. (laughs) Vaughn's also constantly smoking hash. Sometimes Vaughn, on these trips with JG, will also photograph car accidents when they come across car accidents. And the sex scenes in this, this part are interesting because, as the book goes on, the sex scenes come more and more to involve the car itself and to be viewed through the technology of the car which is the the symbolism is not particularly subtle but it's still effective the the increasing linkage between human sexuality and technique how the two are blurring more and more for jg so i quote This marriage of sex and technology reached its climax as the traffic divided at the airport overpass and we began to move forwards in the northbound lane. As the car travelled for the first time at 20 miles an hour, Vaughan drew his fingers from the girl's vulva and anus, rotated his hips and inserted his penis into her vagina. Headlamps flared above us as the stream of cars moved up the slope of the overpass. In the rearview mirror I could still see Vaughan and the girl, their bodies lit by the car behind, reflected in the black trunk of the Lincoln and a hundred points in of the interior trim. In the chromium ashtray, I saw the girl's left breast and erect nipple. In the vinyl window gutter, I saw deformed sections of Vaughan's thighs and her abdomen forming a bizarre anatomical junction. Vaughan lifted the young woman astride him, his penis entering her vagina again. In a triptych of images reflected in the speedometer, the clock and revolution counter, the sexual act between Vaughan and this young woman took place in the hooded grottoes of these luminescent dials, moderated by the surging needle of the speedometer. The jutting carapace of the instrument panel and the stylized sculpture of the steering column shroud the jutting carapace of the instrument panel and the stylized sculpture of the steering column shroud reflected a dozen images of her rising and falling buttocks as I propelled the car at fifty miles an hour along the open deck of the overpass. Vaughn arched his back and lifted the young woman into the full glare of the headlamps behind us. And it goes on like that. The, the increasing blurring of, of human and, I guess, machine sexuality. Eventually, when JG is driving Vaughn's Lincoln, Vaughn and JG's wife Catherine are in the backseat. They watch a few car accidents. Vaughn photographs them. And seeing these car accidents awakens sexual desire in Catherine, and she and vaughn have sex and (laughs) this is some of the most um i guess amusing symbolism just in how blunt it is in the book vaughn and and Catherine have sex while jg drives the lincoln into an automatic car wash the reciprocity of human sex and a hard phallic car entering a warm wet automatic car wash covered in suds this is very, very subtle symbolism here. During sex, Vaughan beats Catherine and afterwards JG has sex with Catherine and traces the contours of Vaughn's brutality with his penis. He has sex with Catherine according to these symbols which, which Vaughn's violence have left on her skin. Which is, I think I feel like it is more symbolism of technique. I'll I'll give more examples of this later when I, I discuss technique more explicitly, but in this book, the wounds inflicted by car accidents are described as, as almost handholds or in an instruction manual of new sexualities afforded by, by car accidents, by the effect of technology on the human body. And th- this scene of Vaughan as, in some sense, the avatar of technique, or at least a man who has been deeply shaped by technique, leaving these roadmaps of a new sexuality on Catherine, which JG, her husband, then follows, I, I feel like is further making the point of, of a humanity deeply, deeply enmeshed in technique. So on that point, I quote, So this is just after Catherine has had sex with Vaughan. Catherine sat forward, freeing herself from Vaughan. She touched my shoulder in a gesture of domestic affection. In the driving mirror, I saw the wheels on her cheek and neck, the bruised mouth that deformed her nervous smile. These disfigurements marked the elements of her real beauty. And then later on. In the elevator, I heard I held Catherine closely, loving her for the blows Vaughan had struck her body. Later that night, I explored her body and bruises, feeling them gently with my lips and cheeks, seeing in the rash of raw skin across her abdomen the forcing geometry of Vaughn's powerful physique. My penis traced the raw symbols, that his hands and mouth had left across her skin. I knelt over her as she lay diagonally across the bed, her small feet resting on my pillow, one hand over her right breast. She watched me with a calm and affectionate gaze as I, as I touched her body with the head of my penis, marking out the contact points of the imaginary automobile accidents which Vaughan had placed on her body. That's right, I should add... In the same way as he... He kept posing the prostitutes he had sex with in the back of the Lincoln while Ballard drove him around. Vaughn did the same to Catherine. She, Catherine has blonde hair and, uh, at least according to this book, Elizabeth Taylor also has blonde hair. I don't really remember what she looks like. But Vaughn, in some ways, using Catherine as a, a simulation of, of Elizabeth Taylor, whom he still very much wants to kill in a car accident, kill in the perfect car accident, which he has been planning and so he is he's simulating the sex act that would kill elizabeth taylor because he also views the sex act and the car accident as as indistinguishable which is just further evidence of this this book's obsession with simulation and recontextualization i think actually jean baudrillard read this book and frothed over how it was a a novel of simulation so while this is all happening Ballard is becoming increasingly obsessed with Vaughn. He can't, he can't say no to Vaughn in any way. Vaughn is pressuring him to organise a meeting between Vaughn and Elizabeth Taylor. Ballard is not willing to tell Vaughn that actually negotiations with Taylor have fallen through and that she's not going to be recording an advertisement with his company and therefore he doesn't really have any power to organise a meeting with her. But yeah, he can't say no to Vaughn, to any of Vaughn's demands, to Vaughn Having sex with his wife to Vaughn demanding that Ballard drive him around while in the backseat of the Lincoln, Vaughan smokes hash and has sex with prostitutes. He can't say no to Vaughan demanding that they go and photograph car accident victims together. And that it's a fairly crude symbol of the the undeniability of technique, how it's not something that we can say no to. I quote, Vaughn opened the driver's door of the Lincoln for me. As I took my seat behind the steering wheel, I realised that I now wanted to spend as much time as possible with him. He sat facing me, one arm along the seat behind my head, his heavy penis pointing towards me in the crotch of his jeans. I now felt the elements of a true affection for Vaughan, elements of jealousy, love and pride. I wanted to touch his body, holding his thigh as we drove in the same way that I had held Catherine's when we'd first met, letting my hand rest on his hip as we walked to and from the car. It's also at this stage in the book that Seagrave goes missing. Now, Seagrave was going to be the the body double, the stunt driver for Elizabeth Taylor for the advertisement that she was to, to be recording with J.G. Ballard's advertising company, that, that deal that eventually fell through. So Seagrave goes missing, and he's, he's last seen wearing a blonde wig and the leopard skin coat that he was meant to be wearing as the body double, for Elizabeth Taylor in the advertisement of a car accident, um, you can just see the the layers and layers and layers of reproduction and simulation that this book this book offers you. And Vaughan's worried that that Seagrave is going to start driving in a threatening way around Catherine because Catherine is for Vaughan the the, the almost simulation Elizabeth Taylor that Vaughan is using to practice his. Car crash that he wishes to use to kill Elizabeth Taylor. Vaughn's obsession with Taylor is only growing. So his driving, his sex acts with prostitutes they are all informed by Taylor's route to and from her hotel. The um the prostitutes look more and more like Liz Taylor. Also, at this point, Ballard has sex with Gabrielle, the the, the woman in a wheelchair. Her body has been deeply shaped by technology, moving with the assistance of a wheelchair. And they have sex in Gabrielle's car, which is modified so that she can drive it without the use of her legs. It's the, This technology is made for Gabrielle's body, and Gabrielle's body was moulded or broken by technology in a car accident. And this is one of the scenes that got this book a lot of flack when it was, it was published. It was described as being very exploitative, of, of being evidence that the author was a pig and only viewed women as sex objects. I don't think that's fair. In the context of this book, this sex scene, while being, while being unsettling and while being an example of people using each other, certainly, I didn't really see as, you know, as, as an endorsement of men using women or the abled using the disabled or something like that, a statement by the author. I saw it as an, as really a way of him talking about the effect of technology and technique on humans, how it's deeply, deeply informed our lives, shaped our bodies, and also how everybody and everything uses everybody and everything else. It's not, not a statement or a normative statement of how men should use women. I, I think a lot of the um, the discourse around this book when it was published was a, a lot of pearl clutching and hand wringing. Anyway, because this is the book club from hell, I'll read out a bunch of sections that, um, that were considered really obscene. So the two of them are in Gabrielle's car and beginning to have sex. Aware of these new parameters, the embrace of this dutiful technology, Gabrielle lay back. Her intelligent eyes followed her hand as it felt my face and chin, as of searching for my own missing armatures of bright chromium. She lifted her left foot so that the leg brace rested against my knee. In the inner surface of her thigh, the straps formed marked depressions, troughs of reddened skin hollowed out in the forms of buckles and clasps. As I unshackled the left leg brace and ran my fingers along the deep buckle groove, the corrugated skin felt hot and tender, more exciting than the membrane of a vagina. This depraved orifice, the invagination of a sexual organ still in the embryonic stages of its evolution, reminded me of the small wounds on my own body, which still carried the contours of the instrument panel and controls. I felt this depression on her thigh, the groove worn below her left breast, under her right armpit by the spinal brace, the red marking on the inside of her right upper arm. These were the templates for new genital organs the moulds of sexual possibilities yet to be created in a hundred experimental car crashes. It goes on. My first orgasm, within the deep wound on her thigh, jolted my semen along this channel, irrigating its corrugated ditch. Holding the semen in her hand, she wiped it against the silver controls of the clutch treadle. My mouth was fastened on the scar below her left breast, exploring its sickle-shaped trough. Gabrielle turned in her car seat, Revolving her body around me so that I could explore the wounds of her right hip For the first time I felt no trace of pity for this crippled woman But celebrated with her the excitements of those abstract vents Let into her body by the sections of her own automobile During the next few days my orgasms took place within the scars below her breast and within the left armpit In the wounds on her neck and shoulder in these sexual apertures formed by fragmenting windshield louvres and dashboard dials in a high-speed impact, marrying through my own penis the car in which I had crashed and the car in which Gabrielle had met her near death. It's also, JJ keeps imagining Catherine's death in a car crash, his own death, and the sexual possibilities of simulated sexual orifices made by car crashes, much like the ones that he had sex with, with Gabrielle. He's really losing interest in the, uh, I guess, more traditional sex organs and becoming much more interested in the, the sexual opportunities afforded by wounds caused by technology. Seagrave dies in a car accident dressed as Elizabeth Taylor and Vaughn's really upset that Seagrave has killed Taylor before Vaughn, in a sense. So Vaughn, as a man obsessed with simulation, regards Seagrave's death, Seagrave being dressed as... Elizabeth Taylor, Seagrave being a simulation of Taylor, as in some sense Seagrave killing Taylor before Vaughn has been able to. Vaughn's very, very upset with this. And so Ballard says, Seagrave's slim and exhausted face was covered with shattered safety glass, as if his body were already crystallizing, at least escaping out of this uneasy set of dimensions into a more beautiful universe. So... Seagrave is becoming a symbol without a body. Is he, 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 in some way, is becoming a pure symbol of Elizabeth Taylor's death. And he's done this before Vaughn. Now, this is, this is very close to the end of the book. Vaughn takes LSD, gives J.G. LSD, and then J.G. goes to drive the two of them along the freeway. Vaughn keeps trying to steer the car into oncoming traffic as this is happening. And the pros in this section is absolutely exceptional i'll read a section i think the use of psychedelics in this context are also very much fitting with the the symbolism of the book as a whole where it's with lsd and other psychedelics everything becomes meaningful there is everything becomes a symbol of something else which is a symbol of something else there's just this this endless simulation this endless cavalcade of symbols impressed upon the world there's this complete recontextualization that that takes place at every moment and if if any of you listening have experienced psychedelics for yourselves i'm sure you'd you'd agree or feel similarly there is everything is is deeply symbolic um but the the sense of danger and the sense of beauty in the prose as as Ballard writes about the character named after him and Vaughn driving down the freeway absolutely out of their minds on acid. It's, it's just fantastic. So, The daylight above the motorway grew brighter, an intense desert air. The white concrete became a, cu- a curving bone. Waves of anxiety enveloped the car like pools of heat off summer macadam. Looking down at Vaughn, I tried to master this nervous spasm. The cars overtaking us were now being superheated by the sunlight, and I was sure that their metal bodies were only a fraction of a degree below their melting points, held together by the force of my own vision, and that the slightest shift of my attention to the steering wheel would burst the metal films that held them together and break these blocks of boiling steel across our path. By contrast, the oncoming cars were carrying huge cargoes of cool light, floats loaded with electric flowers being transported to a festival, as their speeds increased, I found myself drawn into the fast lane, so that the oncoming vehicles were moving almost straight towards us, enormous carousels of accelerating light. Their, their radiator grilles formed mysterious emblems, racing alphabets that unraveled at high speed across the road's surface. Exhausted by the effort of concentrating on the traffic and holding the cars around us in their lanes, I took my hands off the wheel and let the car press on. In a long and elegant swerve, the Lincoln crossed the fast lane. The tyres roared against the concrete verge, lashing the windshield with a storm of dust. I lay back helplessly, my body exhausted. In front of me I saw Vaughan's hand on the wheel. He sat across me, one knee up on the instrument panel, steering the car within inches of the central reservation. An oncoming truck sped towards us in the adjacent fast lane. Vaughan removed his hand from the wheel and gestured towards it, suggesting that I drive the Lincoln across the central reservation and straight into the truck. Distracted by Vaughan's physical presence as he leaned against me, I held the wheel again, steering the car down the fast lane. Vaughan's body was a collection of loosely coupled planes. The elements of his musculature and personality were suspended a few millimetres apart, floating beside me in this pressure-free zone, like the contents of an astronaut's capsule. I watched the cars approaching us, unable to grasp more than a fraction of the thousands of messages which their wheels and headlamps, windshields and radiator grills were flashing at me. Then uh, they, they get off the freeway, drive into an underpass, and finally J.G. gets to have, se- have sex with Vaughn. The sex he has with Vaughn is extremely, it's at the same time mechanical and deeply organic. It's this, this complete fusion of technique and human sexuality. So Vaughn's body much of the time is described in mechanical terms. So I think when J.G. is describing having anal sex with him he describes his his anus as a hot vent a a very mechanical term but then there are moments of genuine tenderness when they they examine their car accident wounds together and read into those wounds both a history of their car accidents these these points created by their collision with their own vehicle during a car accident but also these wounds being being maps to follow for a future sexuality. Anyway, so JG eventually falls asleep next to Vaughn in Vaughn's Lincoln in The Underpass and when he wakes up he's coming down off acid. It's a good description of an acid come down where, uh, where the, the meaning that was so imminent in all things dissipates and everything just seems slightly alien. Then um, JG gets out of the car and Vaughn tries to run him over. And this is the last... This is the last sort of face-to-face interaction that J.G. and Vaughn have. Because from this point on, Vaughn's really, really serious about killing Elizabeth Taylor. He's driving extremely dangerously around Catherine, the, the sort of Elizabeth Taylor stand-in. He seems to be practicing for Taylor's death. Vaughn's wanted by the police, but has, has left his apartment and is living out of his, his car. And interestingly, both J.G. and Catherine are very calm about Vaughn's threats to, Cam- to Catherine, JG thinks about her death. He he sees it as a way that would allow him to care for all victims of natural disasters, airline crashes, car crashes. This personal tragedy that can be recontextualized and applied to the world. This um this universal consciousness, this universal empathy. And then then Vaughan dies in the car accident in the same accident that the book opened with. He'd stolen J.G.'s car, and interestingly, Vaughan's body was so disfigured in the the crash that it was initially thought to be J.G., and Catherine was called by the police and informed that her husband had died. It's just more symbolism of the the deep relationship between us and our, our vehicles, our technology. And the book ends with Catherine and J.G. having sex in J.G.'s destroyed car at the police impound, JG takes the semen from Catherine's vagina and smears it on other cars in the impound. They see Helen Remington and Gabrielle in a car together, and they've become lovers, inspired by by Vaughn and by car accidents. And in those two, in JG and Catherine, Vaughan continues to live. The technique of Vaughn, the, the Vaughn memeplex, is living beyond his, his bodily death. And the book ends in such a nice way. The the prose in this book is so good. So, JG is just smears all over a bunch of of smashed cars. And I quote, Catherine and I stood back, watching these faint points of liquid glisten in the darkness, the first constellation in the new zodiac of our minds. I held Catherine's arm around my waist as we wandered among the derelict cars, pressing her fingers against the muscles of my stomach wall. Already, I knew that I was designing the elements of my own car crash. Meanwhile, the traffic moves in an unceasing flow along the flyover. The aircraft rise from the runways of the airport, carrying the remnants of Vaughan's seamen to the instrument panels and radiator grills of a thousand crashing cars, the leg stances of a million passengers. Okay, so that, that, that's my, my quick summary of the plot. A uh, pretty high level view. I'm going to get more into. The themes in this book, which uh, I think are really masterfully told, despite the fact that I'm I have a podcast episode about this book, that I'm I'm willing to talk about it at length. I'm I'm still not positive what this book is saying. I do think it's making a lot of statements about the effect of technology on our lives, about technique, about simulation, reproduction, about recontextualization of symbols, but. There are a lot of ways to read this book, and I think they all tend to be valid. And I have a high degree of what I think of as authorial trust in J.G. Ballard. When I say authorial trust, I mean that his prose is so good, his pacing is so good, his symbolism is so good, that when, when I find something in the book, my first assumption is that it is not accidental, that it is meaningful, and that he's trying to say something with it as opposed to lesser authors. So, for example, my previous solo episode was on Behead All Satans by uh, by MNMDR, and that's an author I have low trust in, because he just doesn't seem to have the same command of the craft as J.G. Ballard, which is admittedly an unfair comparison. But still, I have less trust in him, and I'm more inclined to view details of the book as accidents rather than intentional whereas in a book like this which is just so taught so so well done i'm inclined to read into almost every detail perhaps too much symbolism and meaning hence why i've I've developed theories about what i think this book is saying but i'm not sure and there's there's so much more to find out about it nonetheless because we have to upload each week i'll record an episode on this anyway before having made up my mind one thing I do want to say, though, before getting more into the ideas in this book, is just say again, the prose in this book is fantastic. Uh, I just I just want to read out this particular quote, which I think is some of the best prose in the book. Looking closely at this silent terrain, I realise that the entire zone which defined the landscape of my life was now bounded by a continuous artificial horizon, formed by the raised parapets and embankments of the motorways and their access roads and interchanges. These encircled the vehicles below, like the walls of a crater several miles in diameter. The silence continued. Here and there a driver shifted behind his steering wheel, trapped uncomfortably in the hot sunlight, and I had the sudden impression that the world had stopped. The wounds on my knees and chest were beacons, tuned to a series of beckoning transmitters, carrying the signals unknown to myself, which would unlock this immense stasis and free these drivers for the real destinations set for their vehicles the paradises of the electric highway. And if you're wondering, he's describing looking at a traffic jam. It's the... Uh, he writes so well that the, the traffic jam becomes, becomes a transcendent event. So anyway, one of the big themes of this book, as, as I brought up several times in describing the plot, is the effect of technology on us. And in this book, uh Ballard really makes this embodied and it's an embodied effect on us the 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 main characters besides Catherine actually have all been bodily scarred by car accidents and the first hint of this marriage of technology in the human form is in in JG's car accident at the beginning of the book he says For a moment, I felt that we were the principal actors at the climax of some grim drama in an unrehearsed theatre of technology, involving these crushed machines, the dead man destroyed in their collision, and the hundreds of drivers waiting beside the stage with their headlamps blazing. The young woman was helped from her car. Her awkward legs and the angular movements of her head appeared to mimic the distorted streamlining of the two cars. And at this point, it's interesting. So he talks about an unrehearsed theatre of technology. This is pre vaughn pre-technique. Or well, there, there is technique in that they are driving cars. They're driving along freeways. They're driving to and from work. These are all, these are all stereotyped modes of behaviour to defined ends. However, they're not aware of that of technique they haven't embraced technique yet because they haven't come into contact with Vaughn that however will happen so i'll quote from a section where he's he's talking about just the appearance of a road where he can see some some evidence of a car accident that happened long ago he says a white convertible approached the driver flashing his headlamps as i stepped from my car i stumbled my right knee giving way after the effort of driving At my feet lay a litter of dead leaves, cigarette cartons and glass crystals. These fragments of broken safety glass, brushed to one side by generations of ambulance attendants, lay in a small drift. I stared down at this dusty necklace, the debris of a thousand automobile accidents. Within fifty years, as more and more cars collided here, the glass fragments would form a sizable bar, within thirty years a beach of sharp crystal. A new race of beachcombers might appear, squatting on these heaps of fractured windshields, Sifting them for cigarette butts, spent condoms and loose coins. Buried beneath this new geolo- geological layer, laid down by the age of the automobile accident, would be my own small death, as anonymous as a vitrified scar in a fossil tree. So that, that there is an inevitability to technique, that it's, it's almost geological. You can't escape it. It's going to happen. And already, this is pre-meeting with Vaughan. JG is is feeling the intimations of a life subsumed by technique. And interestingly, I think it's several points. Ballard has said that this book is a cautionary tale, but the depiction of technique isn't wholly negative. It's, it's not even seen, I guess, at its conclusion. or there, there, There's not necessarily a conclusion to technique, but beyond the point where a sufficient degree of humanity is stripped out, it's not seen as necessarily... A terrible thing so there are there are many descriptions of people in traffic jams waiting and looking entirely passive within their cars you know, the humans only move when when the traffic systems allow them to when the the crush of cars allow them to and in an earlier quote which i read out talking about how the the wounds all over jg's body hold the signals that will will allow the the drivers of these cars to be set free and the cars to achieve the destinations that they require. I took that to mean that eventually this human vacillation will be overcome by a by a totality of technique. That the cars already have their own destinations. That the humans in them are, are in some way just the the things that animate the cars and the technique that that um that within their own logic already know their goal and that once technique has become enmeshed enough in humanity then you're not going to have that tension between the bored human sitting in the car and this system of traffic having its own goal those two will be much better aligned and it might be a a happier world there is also this books fascination with symbols and simulation so for example the the car crash being a metaphor for the shaping of humanity by technology particularly in the wounds it inflicts you have manufacturers labels embossed in our bodies from from car accidents you have scars in the shape of of brands you also have Vaughn obsessively photographing the car accidents around where he lives his his apartment being covered in photographs of these as well as photographs of himself before his motorcycle accidents, pictures of himself when he was on TV, a, an obsession with symbols. And an interesting symbol, or the, the idea of, of recontextualizing or continuing a life through symbols, is brought up quite frequently and in quite an interesting way. So at several points, Ballard talks about rebirth in a car accident, so bringing the dead back to life in a car crash. And this is like because this is Crash, which is a book where basically everything ties back to sex. The way that people are brought back to life through a car accident is through sex. So, so JG Ballard talks about bringing Helen Remington's dead husband back to life by having sex with her in a car. I think by in some way or in some stylized way acting out the car crash again with her and playing the role of her dead husband in having sex with her. So, by assuming the symbol of Helen Remington's dead husband, her husband becomes alive again for the duration of that act. He says in relation to seeing, seeing a bunch of car and then having sex, "...my horror and disgust at the sight of these appalling injuries..." Had given way to a lucid acceptance that the translation of these injuries in terms of our fantasies and sexual behaviour was the only means of reinvigorating these wounded and dying victims. He comes to not only see having sex within a car as a way to revive Helen Remington's dead husband, but by having sex as someone who is scarred by a car accident, with someone else scarred by a car accident, in a a way almost ritualised and following the scars on their body, made by the cars, as a way to symbolise all car accident victims and in doing so bring them back to life, this this simulation of them. And in a similar way that Vaughn doesn't truly die. So J.G.'s already planning his own car accident death after Vaughn dies. At the end of the book, Helen Remington and Gabrielle are seen driving away together in a car they're all continuing Vaughan's memeplex. They're all symbolising or simulating Vaughan. So in some way he's saying that there is, there's very much a reality to simulations. If Vaughan continues to live even after his body has died, Helen Remington's husband is brought back to life in the moments that she and J.G. Ballard have sex. There's, uh, there's also a point where Ballard, in the role of an employee... Of of an advertising company is talking to a a car rental company salesman who often rents cars to to Ballard's company. And he's complaining that the um one of the TV companies using a convertible that this guy rents out had really damaged the car by clamping cameras to it and things like that. And I quote, Presumably these marks had been made within the context of imaginary dramas devised by the various companies using the car by actors playing the roles of detectives and petty criminals, secret agents and absconding heiresses. The worn steering wheel carried in its cleats the grease of hundreds of hands held there in the positions dictated by the film director and the cameraman. There's just, there's endless simulation. The physical consequences of this simulation are things that Ballard seems particularly preoccupied with in this novel. So while you have actors and actresses simulating the lives of fictional characters who then come to acquire some real meaning in that simulation for people who who consume these things for example if the it was a tv show or a movie being filmed those characters achieve some sort of reality for the people watching them and then that simulation has has physical effects on the car that was used to to take part in that film. The camera clamps and things like that leaving marks on the car's body. While the car in this book is also a symbol of a technology deeply, deeply influencing the human body in all of the car crashes that take place. This is a book which just has continuous examples of simulation really without end. They just spiral into themselves to infinity. I guess one of the most potent, if not the most potent symbol of of the effects that humans and technology have on each other, of the effects of simulation and of constant recontextualization are wounds. So you know, the the camera clamps left wounds on the car's body in the quote that I, I just read out. Similarly, you've got the wounds all over the car accident victims in this book, which Ballard always focuses on. He always makes sure to mention that that the various characters who've been in car accidents are marked by them indelibly, and that this marking frees them, frees them in a sense to, to find new sexualities, but in some ways it almost deeply l- limits their freedom because it prescribes to them a technique to be followed in their future sex acts. Here's, here's an example of it. I quote, Waiting for me, Vaughan reached into the rear seat of his car for a white sweatshirt. As he took off his denim jacket, the falling light picked out the scars on his abdomen and chest, a constellation of white chips that circled his body from the left armpit down to his crotch. The handholds of complex sex acts had been created by the cars in which he had deliberately crashed for my future pleasure. Of strange postures in the back and front seats of cars, peculiar acts of sodomy and fellatio, I would perform as I moved across his body from one handhold to the next. It's this technique imparted upon us by the technology of the car, and probably just technology in general, determining how we are to interact with each other. For example, Vaughn's scars determining the choreography of future sex acts. This book's examination of simulation also brings in celebrity in quite an interesting way. So, Vaughn's obsession with... With celebrity in general, he's obsessed particularly with how various celebrities would have had sex with each other before dying in car accidents. He's obsessed with, for example, Camus' car accident death, with JFK's death within his car, and he's obsessed with killing Liz Taylor in a car accident. His obsession with killing her in a car accident remains somewhat opaque to me. Vaughn does say of her what, what he wishes were to happen to her. Not a major crash. It means that everything lies in the future for her. With a little forethought, she could die in a unique vehicle collision. One that would transform all our dreams and fantasies. The man who dies in that crash with her. So this is Vaughn Vaughn thinking about the implications of, of Elizabeth Taylor's death in a car accident. I'm wondering maybe the man who dies in that crash with her, would he be transformed into a symbol without a body? In, in sort, sort of in the way that Seagrave did when Seagrave died in a car accident dressed as Elizabeth Elizabeth Taylor. He, he's no longer Seagrave because he's dead. He died as Elizabeth Taylor. Maybe that's what Vaughn is talking about, this way to live beyond death as a symbol. Maybe he sees Elizabeth Taylor's death as a way to make her into a perfect symbol. Without the need of a body, she's this form of celebrity that every viewer can have a more intimate relationship with because the, the "quote unquote" real Taylor, the embodied Taylor, no longer exists. And in in terms of that idea, I do think that has some support in that has some support in a part of the book where um where J. G. Ballard is imagining Elizabeth Taylor dying in a car accident. He says. I saw the actress colliding with her instrument panel, the steering column buckling under the weight of her heavy-breasted thorax, her slim hands, familiar from a hundred panel games, fainting with the razor-sharp louvres of the ashtray and instrument clusters, her self-immersed face, idolized in a hundred close-ups, three-quarter profile lit by the most flattering light densities, striking the upper rim of the steering wheel, her nasal bridge crushed, upper incisors driven back through her gums into her soft palate. Her mutilation and death became a coronation of her image at the hands of a colliding technology, a celebration of her individual limbs and facial planes, gestures and skin tones. Each of the spectators at the accident site would carry away an image of the violent transformation of this woman, of the complex of wounds that fused together her own sexuality and the hard technology of the automobile. Each of them would join his own imagination, the tender membranes of his mucous surfaces, his groves of erectile tissue. To the wounds of this minor actress, through the medium of his own motor car, touching them as he drove in a medley of stylized postures, each would place his lips on those bleeding apertures, lay his own nasal septum against the lesions of her left hand, press his eyelids against the exposed tendon of her forefinger, the dorsal surface of his erect penis against the ruptured lateral walls of her vagina the automobile crash had made possible the final and longed-for union of the actress and the members of her audience. So maybe he's saying that the car accident is something so ubiquitous in our lives that it, it, it affects the famous and the most discarded and marginalised alike. Maybe in finally destroying the body of Elizabeth Taylor, of, of some sort of celebrity, we can achieve a closer union with her because her death... Exists within the symbol of something available to to us mortals to us non-celebrities I'm not not entirely sure what he's trying to say with this but as I described earlier I have enough authorial trust in this guy that I think he is saying something I'm just not Not seeing it yet Finally it's why does J.G. Ballard so focus on sex in conjunction with technology in this book as opposed to technology affecting some other facet of our lives, there are many reasons. One is, I think, that J.G. Ballard did enjoy shock value, and the, the sex scenes in this book, you do get a bit desensitised to them, but they are unusual, I'll, I'll say that much. So I think that's one component. It could also be that the confluence of technology and sex might represent the generative capacity of sex and how technique embeds itself in our behaviour and subjectivity, and in doing so further reproduces itself. so this this mimetic idea, a meme being a self-replicating idea, and it sex as a symbol of a reproductive act. And there is, I think there's some evidence for it. There's a quote here where, as <laughs> as many of the quotes in this book are, it's a j g, catherine and and Vaughan looking at a car accident. So, more spectators strolled across the common from the shopping precinct. They climbed through a break-in-the-wire fence. Together we watched as the two occupants of the limousine were eased through the cantered door of their car. Clearly the most vivid erotic fantasies will be moving through our minds of imagining imaginary acts of intercourse performed with enormous decorum and solicitude upon the blood-stained loins of this young woman while she lay within her car as the members of her audience stepped forward and entered the broken compartment of the limousine, each placing his penis within her vagina, seeding the infinite futures that would flower from the marriage of violence and desire. Around me, down the entire length of Western Avenue, along both ramps of the flyover, stretched an immense congestion of traffic held up by the accident. Standing at the centre of this paralysed hurricane, I felt completely at ease, as if my obsessions with the endlessly multiplying vehicles had at last been relieved. So, I do think in this section he is alluding to the the fusion of the generativity of sex and the generativity of technique. It's also that technique can give sanction to a new sexuality by recontextualizing acts that are a previously forbidden. I quote, "The deviant technology of the car crash provided the sanction for any perverse act. For the first time, A benevolent psychopathy beckoned towards us, enshrined in the tens of thousands of vehicles moving down the highways, in the giant jet lighters lifting over our heads, in the most humble machined structures and commercial laminates. So the the twisting and changing of one of the most deeply organic acts, the sexual act, by technology. Ballard's selection of the sex act As the object of examination in this book The thing interacting with technology Is in part because it is so deeply human And he, he wants to, to examine the effect of technology On this most human of activities Also the, the, the sexual act brings JG closer to technology For example, when I, when I talked about him finally having sex with Vaughan How it, it very much is this balance between describing the sex act very mechanically and describing how almost prescribed the various stages of the choreography of sex art that prescribed by the scars on both of these men's bodies, but also how organic it is, how afterwards J.G. and Vaughn lie together. They feel very happy. J.G. is seeing the cars driving above them on the freeway as angels. He is high on acid, so that... That could also be having an effect. But you see, you see in these sex acts, as the book progresses, that technology becomes more organic and humans become more mechanical, more enmeshed in technique. And eventually the car comes to be viewed as an amalgamation of human parts. This union is complete. He says, I saw the interior of the motor car as a kaleidoscope of illuminated pieces of the bodies of women. This anthology of wrists and elbow Thy and pubis formed ever-changing marriages with the contours of the automobile. I don't have a great deal more to say about this book. There's been a shorter episode, in part because I'm still thinking about this book. In terms of things I didn't like about it, actually, it, um, it does get a bit repetitive towards the end. You know, there are the, the, um, the image of semen and cooling fluid is used repeatedly, I think can't remember how many times but a lot it's a fairly memorable image so even using it twice would would draw attention to it but he uses it a lot more than twice I do feel like the book despite it's short length somewhat loses steam towards the end it could be that you're just a bit more used to the graphic nature of the book by that stage but it does feel like the beginning of the book is much more high impact and the very end of the book actually it's it sags a little bit in sort of the the third quarter but overall this is a this is a fantastic book at the end of each episode ultimately we say whether we would recommend that people read the book or not and i really would recommend this to well not not to most people because most people are not willing to read books about people crashing cars and then having sex with basically having sex with vehicles through the vector of another human being but if that if that sounds remotely appealing to you which it did not to me, then I recommend this book. The prose is fantastic. The symbolism is very deep and you're going to be able to continue unraveling it long after reading the book. The prose is beautiful in places. It's disturbing in places, all where it needs to be, often at the same time. Yeah, uh, uh, this book is, is excellent. It really surprised me how much I enjoyed it. So that's all from me this week. Thanks for listening. We've um this uh, is obligatory. Get on our Patreon, send us money. This um and this sort of content's pretty high effort. Levi and I are always thinking of ways to put out lower lower effort content, but I do think mu- much of what people listen for is because this is <laughs> this is high effort, so if if you if you appreciate what we're doing, I, send us a bit of money on patreon so at the very least we're not losing money on on um this podcast anyway thanks for listening see you all next time